0: joined now by Michael Eason, Dr. Michael Eason AM. Uh, he's a company director uh, and someone who's held uh, many positions in the Australian Labor Party. Uh, the Labor movement in this country has been involved uh, as a contributor, as a participant in Labor politics. And he's recently written an essay for a new book published by Concord It's called The Right Stuff, R-I-T-E. And it's all about how the Labor Party can re-engage with conservatives and, and even uh, Christians like myself. And uh, I'm fascinated by this. I've read Michael's chapter, his contribution to the book about how uh, it can engage people of faith. And I'm really pleased to say he's joining me here today on the Lyle Shelton Show. Welcome, Dr. Eason.
1: Thank you very much, Lyle. Call me Michael.
0: (laughs) Thanks very much, Michael. Uh, Well, well, Michael, uh, as I said in the introduction, I'm fascinated by this book. Uh, Why should people of faith... Uh, look to try and re-engage with the Labor Party, when at this very moment we've got the Daniel Andrews government in Victoria with a bill before the parliament to jail people for 10 years if they pray for someone who asks for it?
1: Um, Well, I'm not familiar with that legislation, but that's obviously outrageous if that's what they're doing. Um, My article, which is headed, Faithful and Labor, What Labor ignores at its peril, is a plea to the Labor Party to take people of faith with respect and to actually embrace the tradition that led to the formation of the Labor Party. Because there would be no Labor Party in this country without religious people having uh, decided that there was a need for such a political party. And I think we've moved away from a lot of the tradition that motivated the Labor Party at the beginning. And so people of faith are, in many instances, feeling uncomfortable with the Labor Party. And I think that's the party's fault. And therefore, there needs to be a rethink.
0: Yeah, look, I couldn't agree with you more, Michael. And and I'm sorry, that was a fairly um, rugged First question, but I'd like to come back to the the Daniel Andrews uh, legislation in a moment, because it's really important, and and almost every Christian in the country is animated by this, but I agree with you. Uh, In my formative years, I looked very closely at the Labor Party. I was involved in student politics at the University of Queensland, and most of my colleagues were members of the Australian Labor Party, and uh, I'm well aware of the Christian roots of the party uh, through Methodism and uh, Presbyterianism, people who were really fighting for social justice, quite rightly, against the exploitation of of, uh, companies, um, of workers, uh, particularly at the end of the Industrial Revolution.
1: Um, Exactly right. And I think there are many people who are religious who feel, I want to support the Labor Party, but I, I don't think I can. They feel that there's a clash between their personal convictions and what They see it's the idealistic and worthy uh, social uh, objectives of the Labour Party. They see there's a disconnect there. Now, of course, many people of religious faith uh, embrace the Labour Party, feel like uh, there isn't a contradiction, but I think there has been this chasm that has opened up. And for me, it's been an eye-opener to meet a number of people of evangelical faith as well as what I'm more used to, which is in the Catholic tradition, who tell me very bluntly that they can't support the Labor Party. And I don't find most of the people I talk to to be fanatical or unreasonable. And therefore, I wanted to write this article, this essay that's been published, to say to my uh, colleagues in the Labor Party, Uh, guys and girls let's think about how how we're uh, appearing to be and maybe it's not only appearance it's substance that needs to be revisited. So it's a plea to take people of religious conviction seriously and to ensure that this disconnect is, uh, is is mended and until it is I think many people have of Christian religious conviction in particular will feel that they can't embrace the Labor Party and I think that's a great tragedy uh, because uh, a true broad and uh, welcome, welcoming Labor Party would be embracing people of your faith and, and those uh, that you inspire and of course are inspired by the teachings of Jesus Christ. and. One of the people who I quote in the book, who uh, William Spence, who was the founder of the Australian Workers' Union, uh, saw that Labour was implementing the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. And that simple conviction, that noble idealism that motivated the early pioneers is, I think, at the heart of what I see the Labour Party as standing for. And I think... uh, uh, modern Labor need to understand that and in, engage in a dialogue with itself and with people outside of the party to ensure that we can we can join hands. And that doesn't mean that all Christians should support uh, uh, the Labor Party or any particular party, but all major parties in Australia should be welcoming, respecting, embracing people of faith. I
0: couldn't agree more... Um... Michael and, and I would love it if uh, both sides of politics you know could equally make an appeal to people of serious Christian faith. Um, I think you know much of the Labor economic narrative uh, does have an appeal to Christians because it's based in Christian social justice, and I think you know people of goodwill can you know embrace uh, the liberal um, economic narrative as well. But when it comes to social policy. Um, it's almost like in the last five to 10 years, it's become impossible for those of us who hold to a, a, a Christian worldview or a socially conservative worldview to support Labor. And I, and I started at the beginning by mentioning you know, the bill that's currently before the Victorian Parliament um, about so-called gay conversion therapy. And again, this is you know, no one in Christendom in Australia is using electric shock treatment or trying to manipulate gay people to, to convert them. But what this bill does, as I said in the introduction, is if, if you're someone with um, gender confusion, you might be a child confused about your gender, and, and you ask someone, you, you initiate uh, an interaction, a conversation with someone, and ask for a prayer or even a conversation, uh, you can be fined uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and jailed for 10 years. Now, this is not scaremongering, this is in the legislation. And for many Christians uh, and social conservatives, this is the last straw with the Australian Labor Party.
1: Well, I haven't seen the legislation, as I've mentioned, and I'm not ducking the point you're making or denying it or anything like that. I'm living in sunny New South Wales where uh, I, I'm just unfamiliar with what you refer to. But I think you go to the heart of the major issue, a defining point within Australia, and that is whether honestly held traditional Christian, and for that matter, uh, honestly held and traditionally espoused positions in the Jewish and Muslim and other faiths are to be respected in the political discourse. And in the Labor Party, that takes two aspects. One aspect is whether uh, on moral issues a conscience vote will be allowed. And secondly, what positions the political party will be adopting and espousing. On the first of those two points, I think the Labor Party traditionally has supported a conscience vote on issues of moral questions, and there has been a shift away from that. In Queensland, a few years ago, there was a vote on abortion, liberalisation, where the where the Labor Party MPs were whipped, meaning the, um, the, the governing party said, everyone has to vote this way, there's no conference vote. There were, I think there might have been one person who abstained. Yes, there
0: was jo- Joanne Miller, and she resigned from the party uh, earlier this year, uh, very bitter and disappointed with her treatment by the party, uh, primarily over that issue. Yes, but and Jackie I, I, I think that forced. is a disgrace.
1: Yeah. I think it is a disgrace, and I think it is a reason why, um, despite many good things the Labour Party talked about, that this has become a dividing line. Okay. And so, I personally believe that there should be more votes on conscience, even beyond questions of moral conviction. I support the kind of approach that the British Labour Party and the and the politics of the United Kingdom uh, adopt where uh, political parties uh, p- allow a lot more flexibility and votes uh, b- b- outside of the, the the hardline position. You must follow this position on if this adopted caucus line on every issue. So I do favour a bit more flexibility and I've argued for that elsewhere. Uh, well, Michael, on... it's,
0: great, it's great to hear you arguing for that flexibility. Um, just hearkening back to my time 10 years as a lobbyist with Australian Christian Lobby in Canberra, and we work very hard uh, with uh, Labor people. Um, and, and there was you know a great many who shared our social values. But um, yes. I, I saw a progression over time where um, in the midst of the, you know, what, what was really an iconic litmus test issue of, of same-sex marriage, so many in Labor just um, like lemmings fell over the cliff and rolled over on on that issue, to the point where when the, the plebiscite finally happened and legislation was presented to the Parliament in December 2017, when a whole uh, raft of freedom of speech and freedom of religion amendments were put up, uh, Labor voted against every one of those, and and, and many in The Turnbull uh, cabinet at the time also voted against them. But but Labor as a bloc with the Greens voted against every measure to protect freedom of speech. And it just sent a big message to people of faith and people of conservative disposition that they're no longer welcome in the Labor movement.
1: And I think that viewpoint is disturbing. And it's one reason I wrote my, my chapter. Uh, I I have to be honest and say that due to other reasons I'm no longer in the Labor Party, meaning that I've been a member for 42 years, but one of the positions I hold requires me not to be politically active. Uh, But I was asked, could you consider writing this particular article? And I decided it's a plea to the Labor Party uh, more than anything else. Um, But if I... uh, I I am disturbed by the intolerance that has developed. I understand why most people in the community ultimately voted for same-sex marriage and why the Labour Party has a more liberal position on that issue. But I know well, if, um,
0: if Australian people knew what we now know, that freedom of speech and freedom of religion and, and that children were going to be indoctrinated compulsorily in schools with radical LGBTIQ, gender-fluid education, all this is happening now. Uh, Penny yeah. Wong, straight after the marriage debate, went after Christian schools with a bill in the parliament to take away their right to employ uh, staff who believe what the parent community want for their children. You know, that all happened within months of, of same-sex marriage being passed. Um, yeah. you know, how does how does the Labor Party come back from here and, and show people uh, or respond to your plea when they've just been so overtly hostile to uh, the wishes of people of faith? And, and, of course, just to add one other thing, I think they paid an electoral price at the last federal election. Uh, Chris Bowen and others have acknowledged that they took a bath in Western Sydney, because of the anger amongst Christian, Muslim, uh, the Maronite community uh, about their position, particularly on on the marriage issue and and the encroachment on religious freedom?
1: Um, I think all of that's right. And I think a lot of this is still to play out. And what I'm saying is that um, I'm arguing two points within the chapter. One is, um, please respect those who might disagree with the mainstream, but legitimately belong in the Labor movement. So that's a plea for respect and tolerance and diversity, particularly diversity, which is a point most people in the Labor Party say they support. But there's a question whether they truly support diversity when it comes to those of honestly held traditional Christian and other religious views. And the second point I'm making is the real politics point, and that is if you're going to exclude the 20 cents, say, of the electorate that absolutely die hard support positions of, of, of um, uh, more conservative dispositions on Christian uh, ideas, for example, you will rarely win 50% out of the remaining 80%. So Labor is destined not to win very often if Labor excludes uh, people of faith from feeling that there's a place for them in the broad Labor movement. So I believe the first argument is the winning argument. Respect people of moral conviction to truly belong to the Labor movement. But if that's not convincing enough, think about the real politics. Labor cannot win by excluding people of strongly held religious faith.
0: I think that's a really good point that you make in the book. You you say that uh, Labor only ever wins elections. It's probably true for both sides of politics, but particularly for, for Labor, um, by building coalitions. And Kevin Rudd demonstrated that in 2007. When he he did um, go out there and appeal to Christians, and, and I think um, you know, as, as someone who is an evangelical Christian, I watched that with great interest, and I saw uh, many socially justed, mind, socially um, social justice-minded uh, believers uh, really flock to Labour because there's no doubt social justice is a is a massive part. It goes to the core of the teachings of Jesus, and a political party. Uh, enunciating that in public policy has a great attraction. And uh, John Black, the great um, demographer here in uh, in Brisbane, recognised that those people in the Bible Belt seats in Brisbane played a key role in the 2007 run slide. But I think what's transpired now in the last 13 or so years with, with the hostility uh, by many key Labor figures, including Penny Wong, who said you know, of me that there's no place in, a, in Australia for my views on, you know, children deserving a mother and a father wherever possible, um, it just makes it really, really hard. And I'm sorry I'm labouring that point, but uh, I love the thesis that you're presenting, but I think it's going to take some strong and courageous voices in the labour movement to stand up and say, hey, and stand up publicly and say, hey, we need to stop treating people of faith uh, so perniciously.
1: I agree with you and particularly on the point about Kevin Rudd, there were a lot of people of evangelical persuasion in particular who began to take the Labor Party seriously when Rudd became the leader and late Prime Minister. I think his demise and the lack of an authentic voice that represents that perspective is not apparent in the Labor Party and I think that's Also an issue with the Democrats in the US, with identity politics. Uh, My personal view is that it's amazing that someone as odious as President Trump can almost win. And the reason he almost won the recent election is because many people in the Democratic Party, their traditional supporters, their traditional base, feel that the Democrats have moved well away from them in terms of traditional faith matters. Now, we're a different country from the United States, but I do see parallel where the liberal left um, party, the Labor Party, the Democrats in the US, know the constituency and do not have people of, uh, of, of conservative moral positions who are passionate about faith representing them in the Parliament. And in the US, 20 to 30% of Democratic supporters uh, uh, believe in the right to life, and yet there's hardly anyone, if anyone anymore, in the Congress who espouses that position. It's a bit higher in Australia, in the Labour Party, uh, for historical reasons, but it's, it's getting to be like the Democrats in the US. Now, if identity politics is going to define the Labor Party in the future, then it knows the constituency, the catchment area, the electoral catchment area from which Labor can win a majority. So in that real politics sense, and in my view, the, the, the the good perspective that comes from saying, look, you might disagree with me or you might be a bit more conservative, or a lot more conservative uh, than me on issues of faith and morals and, and, and gender and sexuality and all of those things. But, by gosh, your view is not a wacko view. It's a traditional view. the view I respect. And you're entitled to argue hard for that view. To be respected for it and to vote according to conscience in the parliament should you be elected representing the Labor Party. That's the position you, I've argued for. Who
0: do you see um, in the current Labor Party at state or federal level who's willing to say what you just said publicly? And I, and I say that, and I write about this in my book. I, I mean, I, I went to the, the last uh, three Labor national conferences as an observer. Uh, and also to try and have some influence. But i, I watched the party mock Joe De Book Bruin, um, a hero of the Labor movement, because uh, he tried to appeal to them in the way that you're speaking to to at least respect people who had a, a view on marriage. He was mocked and jeered and booed. And, of course, the party changed its policy. Um, and, and it's I, I, I think he's the last of those voices. Um, and, uh, Anthony... Um, uh, sorry, I'm thinking of the... Um, oh, yeah, Anthony Burke, my apologies, who led the, the um, debate on euthanasia back in the 90s. Uh, he... As Tony
1: well, Burke, yeah, Tony, key yeah.
0: Tony Burke, sorry. Um, yeah. you know, Don Farrell, who's often been a great voice. These people have found themselves marginalised uh, on the social issues, and there just doesn't seem to be any public voices who would provide that welcome uh, for, for people who do hold socially conservative views anymore.
1: And should that continue, then Labor will find it very hard to win. Mm. And uh, I I, I quoted Dick Klugman in the book, who was a former uh, federal member of Parliament, uh, a proud atheist, uh, founder of the uh, Council for Civil Liberties in New South Wales. And in one of his speeches in the early 80s, I think, he He said, actually, the position of people that I disagree with on abortion is one that I totally respect. Life begins at conception. There's a development that leads to the formation of a human person. That is an entirely logical and and decent argument to uphold. It's a view based on faith. It's also a view that is the kind view about the formation and development of human life and the protection of human life. And that was a very interesting intervention by him. Uh, He didn't vote for the relevant legislation that was put up, but he respected his opponent. I only wish that that perspective was strongly articulated by those who disagree with perspectives that you've been identified with. And I also wish that there were people like Joe Boone and Don Farrell and Tony Burke, as he was, when he fought against the euthanasia legislation. And I, I hope he would still adhere to that position, and I have no reason to suspect he wouldn't, even if he's moved um, a long way on some other issues. But there is a need for the Labor Party not only to say, I respect you and I think you're a decent guy, person, and... and uh, uh, people of all different persuasions to welcome. It would be great to have a few more, more voices in the parliament who can articulate that perspective and indicate to the wider electorate, including evangelical and traditional Catholic and other Christian and other religious positions, actually not only do they respect us, but there are voices that are our voices being heard within the party and elsewhere.
0: Oh, I love what you're saying, Michael, and you know it reminds me of the days when you know Kim Beasley was the leader. He was someone who would have agreed with everything that you've just said, uh, and, and there were many others, but I noticed after 10 years in Canberra, uh, as a lobbyist, as I said, working very closely with many Labor MPs, uh, those voices have become dim and become marginalised, and, and many have, have changed positions. Um, I'm just wondering whether you know, at this point in time, it's too late for the Labor Party and, and whether um, another social justice party needs to be formed. You know, could, could, we, could the Labor movement find itself back in the days of the DLP and, and, and the, the split that happened there in the 1950s? Um, because there genuinely are people who, who dislike the conservative economic narrative but can't embrace Labor with where it's gone on social policy.
1: I think it's better to reform the Labour Party than to form another party. It's too hard to do the latter anyway. And one point I men- mention in the book is that recently there's been the formation by evangelical within the Labour Party of Christians for Labour. And separately, another group has been formed this year, and that is the Jono Johnson Forum, which is named after uh, a person of great religious faith, respected across the political spectrum, including across everyone within the Labour Party and across to the Conservatives, to the Liberal Party and so on. And John O was a former member of the Upper House in New South Wales and he used to have a, a saying, keep the faith, both of them, meaning be faithful to religion to your religious conviction and be faithful to Labor. Keep them both. And so they're interesting developments. Now, I'm an old man compared to the younger people who are involved in forming those organisations. And I've said to them, happy to be involved on the outside, but please, this is your party now and you need to to run the fight and to articulate the viewpoints that need to be heard. Um, so I, I take some encouragement from those initiatives. It is a long way back, but the beginning is to understand the problem. And hopefully the chapter I've written in this book helps along that path.
0: No, it certainly does, Michael. Uh, I certainly enjoyed reading it. And um, your mention of John A. Johnson there, I remember meeting him briefly at uh, one of those Labor Party uh, conventions at Darling Harbour before we passed. Uh, a friend introduced uh, him to me, and um, I can see that uh, there were obviously people of great faith in the party. And uh, let's hope that your contribution to the book, the right stuff, uh, helps uh, prod the party back uh, in this direction. Because I think it's in Australia's interest for both of the major parties to be supportive of people who are of Christian faith and have uh, socially conservative values. So. Dr Michael Eason, thank you so much for giving up your time uh, to be with me on The Lyle Shelton Show today.
1: And Lyle, like every other author, thank you for reading what I wrote.
0: Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. The Lars Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lars Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.